Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dating Badly. This week, uh, we've got our old friend back from uh, comedy back in the days of, uh, in the, the noughties uh, of 2000. I have an old mate, Justin Hamilton, is joining us from Sydney on the Zoom. And uh, also old mate, Rose Bishop. And it's a Justin's turn to choose the film. He chooses one of his uh, favourite films um, that I think is absolute trash. It's a George Clooney film and stay till the end. He's got a really great George Clooney story for us. Um, you, I had to stop a few times uh, doing this because uh, me and Seals uh, probably follow me on Instagram. No, no, that we got a puppy. We got a little puppy, a little rescue pup. She's eight weeks old um, and she's her name is Deirdre Chambers. Well, middle name Peanut. So it's Jamie Chocolate Chip and Deirdre Peanut Chambers, and we love her. We got her from Pet Haven, um, sort of out of Melbourne, and um, her mama was pregnant and uh, was rescued uh, from a pound and then um, to Pet Haven, and then I don't even know how it worked out. Just I've, I've been uh, on the blower looking for a second dog for months and months, about seven months, and she's little and she was at 1.9 kilos, and she's beautiful and she's little. She'll be the same size as Jimmy and we love it a bit. So thank you, Pet Haven. I mean, we fucking paid for it. Um, and I got in first. I think that's just how it works because it is impossible to get a small dog as a rescue. That's a puppy. Crazy. Um, our house is full of pisses and shits, which is fine because we're in Melbourne and we're still in lockdown. Can't do anything. Um, need a new bra. Bad luck. So uh, <laughs> just uh, no shops open. So, so fucked. Anyway, I'm glad I got her, glad I got my beautiful family, and I um, hope you enjoy this episode. It's really, really fun, and I hope you're taking care of yourself, and don't forget the Patreon. Um, only a dollar a month if you want to support the show, help pay for the Zoom subscriptions and the domains and the bush kernels and stuff. Um, you guys are all the best. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Or oh, great week. Bye. Welcome to Dating Badly, the podcast about dating badly, double age badly, with your host, me, Kelly Stuka. That's good. That feels good. That feels good. I just did a workout, and because it's really humid in Melbourne, I sweated so badly. It is, isn't it? It's so humid. Like, like if lockdown isn't bad enough and we've been here for 101 days like it's raining outside and it's hot so i'm glad you said that because i thought i was menopausal. no 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 like i I want it to (laughs) suck a dick i went and had a cold shower because i was like the cold is in the uh, uh, because i was so furious at how humid it was i was like you want to be fucking humid take that i was just i'm just trying my best i'm working out i'm trying to walk oh fucking hell jesus christ but got a puppy so everyone take that lockdown got a bloody puppy take it take it in the dick 2020 anyway you guys can talk i just introduce you eventually <laughs> we're, we're good but fucking hammer you don't give a fuck because you're in sydney i am you in guys sydney have just got your dicks in the wind in sydney you don't care look to be honest i'm chock full of the vitamin d and i'm sleeping properly and uh, i feel oh, really? really good about life <laughs> no i'm being an arsehole it's uh but you know How is it in sydney yeah, some restrictions, right? <laughs> like, like, kind of. Like, it's it's Light. really, it's really fascinating from this perspective because, mm. like, my management's in Melbourne, and I, I work with a lot of, of people in Melbourne, mm. and 
like I, I want to get on with things, you know, like I've yeah. been I've been in lockdown uh, mm. and now things are kind of happening and you have to be really cognizant of everyone mm. that you speak to. Mm. Everyone in Melbourne is on some level frazzled, whether it's mm. complete, like some people are ruined, some mm. people are right on the edge, like a couple mm. of people that took me by surprise. The only person who seems normal is Limo. <laughs> Frazzled is the word for it. Well, Why is just, Limo so happy? Because he's got a kid, he's got dog, he, wife. He's just he's just even. Like I've known him for twenty six years. He's just mm. even killed. It's not like he doesn't it's not like he's ignoring things. He's mm. just like ah, oh, geez, this is full on, isn't it? You know, that's just oh, yeah. he's just kinda got that mm. country. Uh, you yeah. know, upbringing uh, reaction to things. So, like, yeah. it's not that he's not frustrated or anything, but he's just a bit like, ah, oh, yeah, fuck, this is full on, isn't it? I was doing okay until this week. I think my country upbringing ran out this yeah, week. Right. I think I found the limit of it. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, no, I'm I'm mad. I want to I want to get I want to yell at someone. Well, yeah. I, I have to say yeah. something that might upset you, but in the mm. in the gigs up here. Um, people are... What? Oh, sorry. What is a gig? So a gig is... <laughs> so when you do comedy, comedy? Yeah. What is a comedy? Um, <laughs> a lot of people are making a lot of fun of Melbourne and it's mm. because things like the premiere sort of saying, you know, that really funny moment when he said, <laughs> who wants to go to South Australia? And then three days later, mm. you guys weren't allowed to leave your house for the next four months and it turns yeah. out, you know what? Most people in Victoria would like to go to South Australia, oh, you know, and it's... I'd love to say we wouldn't do the same thing, but we absolutely would. Yeah, so absolutely. Just go for it. But you, you know what's fascinating? Having, like, being from Adelaide and then living in Melbourne for 13 mm. years and now living in Sydney for the last five, you suddenly realise that Victoria is the only state that takes pot shots at everyone. Sid mm. Sydney people really like Adelaide. Adelaide really likes Sydney. People like Brisbane, and but when you're in Melbourne, everyone's like, "Oh, uh, Brisbane's a bit fucked." Yeah, Sydney's I a don't bit know. Fucked. I'm from Perth, and we cop it from all ends. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Every Perth, time Perth comes up in a conversation, people go like, "The only thing that is uh, that I ever hear negative about Perth is, you know, you you, you travel, you travel for so long where you should be in another country, and you're still in Australia." But that is not having a go at Perth. I mean, you talk about Victorians not wanting to, you know, like who wants to go to South Australia? Now we would. I'm like, mate, fuck South Australia. Can I go to Kmart? I need to buy some shoelaces. Well, that's what I mean, right? Yeah, like that's what I need. Well, I need to just do some errands. Yeah, that's if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, and so I just think that there are. I, I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's Victorians per se, but I think it's mm. Melbourne. Uh, personalities who like mm. to take their pot shots, your Sam Newman yeah. types who are yeah, shitting Annie on every, you know, Eddie Maguire's. And so what it's done is everyone's mm. now kind of going, suck shit Melbourne. And because, I, I mean, that's the thing. Melbourne it has been high and mighty for a long time. But for me, I'm like, perf, I'm like, yeah, like I've never really given a fuck. But for me, Sydney people, there's something about if I'm at a gig and I meet someone new, I know straight away if they're from Sydney because <laughs> there's just an air of, and this isn't you, Hamo, because obviously you're not from Sydney. Yeah. You've got still got the Adelaidean in your heart. Yeah. But like, <laughs> there's something about people born in Sydney where I'm like, do you think it's just because they get paid? No, nah, I think it's no, they're the climbers. They're not sneaky. Paid in drink they're gross, <laughs> sneaky climbers. Like, I'll be talking to someone and all of a sudden I feel bad about myself. 
And I'm like, oh, they're from Sydney. Because they're like, oh, how did you get that? Oh, yeah, what's that? Oh, yeah, well, I do. Yeah, okay. Oh, no, sorry, this person's more important to talk to. And I'm like, why did I, how did I just get dissed from someone I don't, oh, Sydney. That's right. I swear to God, whenever I meet someone new and they turn out to be a dickhead, I'm like, I bet they're from Sydney. And they always are. <laughs> I mean, that, Sydney. I'm like, fuck that. Anyway, I should, let, let me introduce, uh, I mean, Rose Bishop, welcome back again. And uh, first time on the show, and I can't believe we haven't bloody we haven't smashed about talked about movies before because I know this one's going to nerd out, and I'm particularly happy to nerd out with this idiot because what a fucking dumb film he made me watch. Uh, Justin Hamilton, you're the best. Welcome. Thank this is you. So cool. I, was it that bad? I don't think it's bad. I, I don't think it's great. But I, I mean, don't think it's bad. I have a feeling me and Kelly are about to have a big disagreement. <gasps> yeah. Okay, this is what's so shocking because <laughs> Rose, I mean, you've only, you're kind of getting to know Rose Hamo. Is yep. that she is very progressive, very uh, in talking quotation marks woke. If there's anyone <laughs> who's going to think, like if, sometimes I'll think of, I'll say something and Rose will give me the perspective on why it's, you know, concerning, problematic. Yeah, like she has a really good <laughs> sense of self with that kind of stuff. But when it comes to movies, by golly, does she get it wrong? <laughs> wow. There you go, Rose. I still haven't forgiven you yeah. for the Magic Mike incident. She made me watch Magic Mike and was like, XXL. swear to God, XXL, was like, make Celia watch it, she'll love it. I'm like, what? And I watched it. But anyway... So the film, Hang on, no, 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 hang on. No, like, yeah, what do you mean yeah. by that? You didn't say anything. Like, what, did you hate Magic Mike? She hated right. it. I hated I it. I thought it was a profoundly feminist yeah, she, film. Right. She, she, uh, yeah, for, she, yeah she, a, fair, a fairly feminist film, but I just... Kelly was not on I was board not for on my board. Marxist reinterpretation I of Magic so, Mike XXL. I'm so... Um, <laughs> it's really hard for me to, to watch one of these rom-coms and really like it. It's right. just really hard. The only so one that I've really do you, do you just not like rom coms? Like, g- yeah, give hate me. Them. Oh right, okay. So hate them, hate them. Right? Is there so just so I can get an mm. angle on things? Like a, are, is mm. a baseline reading? Yeah. Mm. What's What's a rom com that you've watched that you have on some level enjoyed? Okay, so out of this whole sh- podcast, yeah, there's been one that when it finished, I was like, oh, I actually loved it. And was like, I can't believe it took me this long to watch it. And it was, uh, I think, Xavier Vakalidi's suggestion, his favourite rom-com, which was When Harry Met Sally. Right. And I loved it. Okay. And I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. Because I always palmed it off as some shitty rom-com. But then when huh. I watched it, so there was like some... the classic of the genre, but nothing else in the genre. Yeah, but the <laughs> but the dialogue and the way... Because the reason why I loved that film is because they built their relationship so they started as friends but you actually believe that they were bantering and they were friends and they cared about each other but the majority like a few weeks ago i had to watch serendipity bloody blame tom ballard yeah right and i'm like these people don't like each other they don't know each other yeah so and i don't believe it and i believe that you can make a romantic comedy yeah and make it believable and the problem is is that they're never believable and that's where I can't I can trust that people don't know who Superman is even though he looks like Clark Kent Clark Kent I have the suspension of disbelief but these films I'm like stop telling us the wrong thing you're making us women believe in the wrong and it's not right so why are you doing a podcast on a genre that you hate 
why would I do one on something I like? Well, because like because <laughs> it's an angry woman. Well, because yep. you know what you know what that is. That's a really happy life. You, you, oh, you know, no, well, what, I cover heaps of things that I love, and you know what I oh. am pretty good, feeling good about things. Oh, yeah. No, well, because the, the thing is, I bring people in, and they tell me why they love it. Oh, okay, you know okay, I mean? all and right. And they can turn me around. And then there's been so even like um, was it what was the one we did ages ago? Not another team movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty great. And I was like, I don't mind this film. I don't. I didn't mind it. It was good. Right. I didn't didn't mind it all. But it's when you get stuff like Serendipity or The Holiday or one fine day. <laughs> yeah, right. What about you, Rose? What do what do you like? So I can kind of get I my head on everything. I love a rom com. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a rom com. Um, I don't. I, I like all of them. Uh, I'm I'm happy to suspend disbelief. Um, really? I do like I oh. I do like that it does seem like there is actually some chemistry of some kind, and I do <clears throat> have a a little bit of an issue with the uh, particularly like older. Rom-coms, and this comes up a little bit in this film that we mm. watched, not from because it's from 1996. Yeah. There is mm. sort of definitely a tendency to um, play hatred as mm. like chemistry, yeah, right. in a way that sort of eh. which but George, no, which I'm happy with a rom-com, yeah, right. Like, and there is something about the mid 90s because it's always like there's like this movie does tick a lot of boxes, but I want to talk about first Hamo. You love. George Clooney. Yep. He was in this film. Yeah, I was a George Nothing. fan when he was in Roseanne and he played Booker. And Remember he played Booker? And, the re- and the then, re- correct me if I'm wrong, the reason why he, his character ended up um, hitting Jackie was well, a domestic violence It was thing? a weird thing. Like he just left, like he left the show. I think he went off to make ER. And then, oh, yeah, right. And then suddenly there was just this episode, which I understand, like it, at the, I understand the reasoning behind it where anyone... Like anyone can be uh, guilty of domestic violence. Like that's the part of the the message they were trying to get across. Mm-hmm. But watching it week to week was a little bit like, wh- where the fuck did that just come from? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you, we're all storytellers. Yeah. You got to foreshadow something, and there was no <laughs> foreshadowing. It was just sort of like, oh, yeah. isn't he great? Oh no, he's he's chock full of the Dom Vi. But uh, um, Roseanne's still good if you watch it. Yes. Not the, I don't know about the revamp, but watch the old episodes. Oh no, it was fantastic. Dude, I was a big it's fan. It's a fantastic show. Yeah, yeah. So bloody good. Yeah, Ugh. and it really God. kind of represented a a part of America that uh, mm. wasn't being represented that much in uh, in yeah. popular culture. So then I started watching. Dusk till dawn was pretty good. Well, before that, you know, no, oh, yeah. before that he then mm. goes into ER. So I had liked mm. him in. Uh, Liked him in Roseanne. I thought I'll check out ER. And that is a TV show that, because it's not HBO or one of those streaming uh, giants, is Mm. an underrated classic TV series where if you go back and watch episodes Mm. of ER, it feels Mm. like a modern TV show. Mm. And he did five seasons of that. I was so into ER, man. Do you remember when, um, um, what was uh, Dr. Carter? Was that Noah Wiley? And um, what was her name? Lucy? Yep. Do you remember the episode where they got stabbed? Yeah. That was... And they ki- and Lucy dies. Yeah. They operate on it and she dies. Like that... I remember that being shook by it. Because yeah. they killed off a main character in such a way that you would... Ju- like just talking about it, I'm like goosebumps. It was the saddest thing. It was be- and it was beautiful. Well, people also well. forget that that TV series... Uh, did you ever see it, Rose? Or was... I think I'm just that little bit too young. A bit too young, young but yeah. Not, like I was mm. definitely, you know... A, 
Nah, you're my age, mate. Uh, it was Perth. You just didn't get <laughs> No, yeah. oh, no, it was probably. Look at that! The no, Victorians just... already teed off on Sydney people and <laughs> Perth. <laughs> no, it was probably my parents. They were oh, yeah. dirty, com- dirty communists, and they wouldn't let me watch right. anything except the ABC. Right. <laughs> well, it because um, it, it used to like every episode used to have like thirty million plus watching it. This is back. Oh, it when, was the bigger show, know. and it spawned off like because I feel like ER started the spawn of Boston Public. Well, um, Chicago well, Hope started Ch- at the same Chicago time. Chicago Hope, oh yeah, mm. right. Yeah, so you had the and David E. The Kelly. Practice. You had the David mm. E. Kelly kind of quirky mm. one, and ER, which was yeah, Ali McBeal. Like, but e- so ER, Grey's Anatomy could run for, yeah. For, yeah, forever. But ER, has, Grey's Anatomy is very romantic. ER was mm. about the patients, yep. and it was about people coming in. It was it was the emergency room was full. Like the characters were were a part of it, but it was about the hospital. More and George Clooney uh, well, being and George Clooney being dreamy and oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, but blah. it's also that's kind of it's kind of that's a bit retro saying oh yeah George Clooney like he's he's just really mm. good in it like everyone is yeah. really good like it's an ensemble yeah. cast everyone's great in it and mm. there is at the start of season two there was a specific episode where there's a, a little boy. Uh, Clooney's character is on the way to an awards night and his car breaks down and there's a kid trapped in a drain and uh, mm. his brother comes and gets him and he's trying to get him out of the drain and the water's filling up it's a torrential downpour and mm. there's a scene where he breaks the bars as the water shoots them out of this tunnel into mm. this lake and in the background of the scene you see Klunik pop out of the water screaming for this kid he goes back down when he pops up again he's a little bit closer looking for the kid and he goes back down again and then he comes out holding the kid as this helicopter light hits him and it's such brilliant TV and I said to my friends at the time he's going to be a movie star and Mm. my friends said to me Mm. no one apart from Bruce Willis no one makes a jump from TV to the movie so so from there Clooney technically makes lots of good movie decisions so he makes From Dusk Till Dawn which proves he can star in a movie like be a lead and he that was a bit risky though because it was very you know like the nudity and the thing and the yeah but it's it also was... tarantino and rodriguez so yeah. it's indie cred coming off the yeah. back of uh yeah. you know uh those those they just started out you know yeah. so it's just after pulp fiction so mm-hmm. but then he makes he makes his three movies that he makes are technically good decisions. They're just mm. either average or not good movies. So this mm. is this is one fine day is fine. And well, Peacemaker thing, like... is fine. And Batman and Robin is a fucking clusterfuck. But then but, from there he then makes yeah. uh he teams up with Soderbergh and uh, and Jennifer Lopez and, you know, his career out picks of up sight. Properly. Yeah. I think a big problem with him in uh, in this movie, One Fine Day, is that they hadn't figured out his hair yet. <laughs> I think that's a big part yeah, of the he... problem. They hadn't given it any any volume, any lift. That's so funny. <laughs> that was that was the start. Like he brought that style in. The Caesar cut. What well, yeah. he brought that in because he he's a bit fluffy in the first season of ER, and yeah. then he gets this cut, and he's also the first <laughs> guy. He like he makes it fine for men to have grey hair. It's all because of George yeah, Clooney. Yeah, he does. Because he really they tried to get him to die in ER, and he said, "I'm getting yeah. older. I'm just going to age." And it was like, "Oh, yeah. thanks, George. That's coming really handy for this guy." Because <laughs> I feel like Steve Martin, I've only ever yes. known him to have grey hair. Yeah, 
but watching someone grey on television. Yeah. But I was actually saying this to Seals the other day, what I love about a season of something is the first season everyone everyone has big fluffy hair. Yep. Pick any <laughs> season of anything and then season two, everyone gets a little bit more power. Yeah. And they come back, even though it's a cliffhanger, all of a sudden clean shaven, nice bloody haircut. <laughs> yeah. Like there was an episode, there was even one thing of like uh, of Friends where they've come back and and Chandler's like massively tan, has had mm. his teeth done yeah. and has put on 20 kilos. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, guys, he, he was downstairs a minute ago. Yeah. you got to <laughs> have a little bit more, like at least gradually do it in the season. But he just did every, capped everything, yeah. had it all fixed. And 20% like, less crazy. funny. As well, oh, because man. of it. <laughs> that show is problematic. Um, I, you know uh, what? Most things are problematic mm. in hindsight. Like as, as we <laughs> yeah. progress, that's why. Particularly when they're from 1996. Everything. Yeah. Like everything. Yeah. Um, he also did Three Kings and I have a very interesting story. Have you seen Three Kings? Yeah. Yeah. David so A. Russell. Yeah. So David A. O. Russell is... Um, so about a bunch of guys in the desert, gold Iraqi soldiers, da da da. Yeah. And David O. Russell has got a um, history of being a piece of garbage yep. as a director. Mm-hmm. And years and years ago, I had um, Thanksgiving with a girl I worked with, and she lived up upstate New York. And she's like, "I'll oh, come th- spend Thanksgiving with me." It was like my th- first Thanksgiving in America. I'm like, okay. And she lived in the middle of this massive like acreage and like. Her house was a, a barn that had been converted and her mum was a writer, like a, like a television writer, and had a big old school silver caravan way in the distance and that was her office. <laughs> so she would walk to work and like crazy, crazy, <laughs> like like hippie, like, like upstate New York, hippie family that were beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we're having lunch and then she's like, oh, um, Melissa's Mel's going to drop by. She's like, I oh, want my friend's Mel. With her dog, so she this woman comes in, this blonde chick, uh, had a beautiful Labrador. She comes sits down, and I realise it's Melissa Leo, you know the oh, actress, yeah, yeah, that is in heaps of stuff, and she's in the David O. Russell film, The Fighter, yeah, with Christian Bale, blah blah. blah. So Mark when Wahlberg. we, yeah, Mark Wahlberg, right, who works with him all the time, obviously they like whatever, like each other. Um, so she had just finished doing The Fighter. And they were talking about, and I didn't know what they were talking about, but they were like, she was like, yeah, we just finished it, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, and the mum was like, you know, I'm hearing a bit of buzz about it for you. And she ended up winning the Oscar yeah. for it. Huh. And she's like, I'm hearing it a buzz. And she's like, yeah, you know. And she started talking about it. She's just like, I mean, is it worth it? And she started talking oh. about the director and how much of a piece of garbage he was. This woman's been in the industry 40 years. And she's like, I don't know if my Oscar's worth it working with him because he, if I get it, you know, I got nominated. She's like, that was, I will never do that again. That was just nothing that I want to. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, what? Give me more details. Well, you know, you know, Clooney punched him out on set for the way he talked to the crew when they were making Three Kings. Yeah. Like he was treating the the crew poorly and Clooney got into a fist fight with him. What a piece of garbage. Aww. It just sounds horrible. Has Clooney worked with him before? Just on Three Kings. Just on that and won't yeah. work with him again. Yeah, I think they, what a good I boy. think, you know, like 20 years later, they had a, you know, a mea culpa kind of moment <laughs> at an awards night. Mm-hmm. But on the set, yeah, Clooney but fucking how, wailed on him. How amazing. Like, I just hate that, that 
like how hard is it to make it in that industry it's someone mm. who's a piece of shit has made it um with a with a talent level that probably could be done by someone else who gets to treat people that way mm. i'm like wouldn't you just phase someone out for being that much of a pretentious like yeah. baby boy yeah but you're coming from an angle of a nice person and the fact yeah. is that <laughs> the industry and it's this way through all industries is that mm. people react really well to absolute utter cunts and yeah. they yeah. and this yeah. is and screaming at people gets things done unfortunately yeah, right, right completely and this is where you know sometimes we kind of forget a little bit about this but a, a lot of the me too movement comes from these people not only being able to get away with that behavior but constantly being rewarded you know like Mm, we look mm, at these people and we say mm. they're awful but you often have to look at the industry that they're in and say well everyone around you could have done a better job of pulling you up um i do uh we'll get to the film but i just like to talk about george clooney a little bit i love uh, the story about george clooney where why he said yes to batman and robin yep and he said that he was like, I just had to say yes. Someone asked you to do Batman, you just say yes. You don't ask questions. You're on the Batman. He goes, because I could, couldn't handle being in a bar like years from now, being washed up and shit and seeing Batman, like whoever did play Batman, being really successful, going, I could have been Batman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can, you can, I turn it down. You can kind of enjoy that movie if you watch him as doing the movie version of the Adam West Batman. Mm. Yeah. Oh, pow. See, as much as I hate rom-coms, there's something about the campiness of a Batman film Mm. like that, like I really enjoy. Like Batman Forever, the one with Val Kilmore and the Riddler, is Mm -hmm. so fun. Yeah. Like it's because I feel like it's because they know it's it's stupid and that's why maybe why I hate these rom-coms so much because – they are taking themselves so seriously, but then you watch a film like Batman and Robin or like a freeze is coming and you're like, oh, they know, or not another team movie. They know exactly what this is and they're just fucking, they're taking the piss. And I have to fun. say with this movie, it's um, kind of hard for me to, to separate out how much of it I liked because of the movie and how much of it was just like cosy nostalgia mm. for the 90s. Yeah. Um, it's just the colors, particularly you know. Sorry to talk about coronavirus again, but oh, yeah. you know, at this point, just I was thinking about 1996, and I was like, well, that was probably the time when I was like the most safe and secure in yeah. my entire oh, life. Yeah, like, like nuclear war was over, everyone mm-hmm. was getting along, the whole world was opening up. No, and the worst September thing, 11. The worst thing on the horizon yeah. was yeah. Y2K, which we yeah, all got to New Year's Eve, and we went, oh no, we're all right. Computers yeah, don't no, work no, that no, way. Yep. I was living with my mummy and my daddy and having a nice time. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, you, bit- you must have loved the scene where they're running around the fountain with the sun out and kicking through the water. <sighs> that must have been... Yeah. Jesus. Like, All that freedom. Yeah, that's nah. new Victorian porn right there, isn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Um, I- it's very cosy. And the other thing is that mm. it's um it's a very, like, nostalgic time for America as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, the portrayal of America in those films is, like, when they still had a healthy sense of cultural cringe. Yeah. Like in that era mm. of like where they're still sort of a little bit like trying to be European yep. and, and they're not taking not taking their own culture too seriously. Like that's very nostalgic. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of uh, agree with you. Like I, I don't like I think I think the movie's fine. I don't think it's I don't think it's awful at all. And I I do think the intentions <laughs> behind the movie are actually 
taking into account the era and the times, mm. there is actually mm. something really interesting in it, exploring uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, who is a single mm. mum, who is yeah. trying to juggle all of mm. this shit. And if anything, on this rewatch, funnily enough, the person that I had the least amount of time for was Clooney, where it's mm. just like, mate, get your shit together. Yeah. Like, just get your fucking shit together. Yeah. You know. Like when the mum comes in... So, so for people who haven't seen it, it's basically two single parents. Yeah. She's a single mum with a son. He's got a daughter and the daughter gets dumped on his doorstep by the mum who obviously is at breaking point because she's like, look, I'm having my honeymoon. Yeah. Can you take care of your daughter? And yeah. he's like, I'm busy. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'll just cancel my honeymoon. And, and, and I can't believe that it still made her look like a bitch. Mm. Like she's like, okay, I'll cancel. And she's so organised. Like she's like, this is the number for this. Yes. This is the number. And while she's telling him everything, he's not even listening to her. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just such a belligerent dick. But that you know, yeah. The movie definitely. Sorry, Rose. It comes close. To, oh, sorry. It just comes close to um like flirting with like progressive gender politics, but then always steers away at the last. Minute. Well, that's it. You know. So uh, I'm curious, Rose. Since you enjoyed it, I was when I was watching this, I was thinking. You know what this I, I think would actually be good if you explored it properly would be like mm-hmm. a two or three season TV series where you mm, where yeah. you got to see them like have time to let all of that breathe because I think you're really right in saying it gets really close to exploring a lot of this stuff and I think Michelle Pfeiffer is wonderful in this having yeah. having three seasons of them ending up in a situation where they are helping each other out and then mm-hmm. as you were saying Kelly you know. Mm getting them to see them get to know each other and then hang Mm. out a little bit more and then naturally have the relationship kind of kick off. I could Mm. imagine like two or three seasons of eight episodes each where you go, yep, that was great. That was really good. But maybe that's why I'm so invested with with the season when someone gets together Mm. because I know – but I will tell you the last film I watched where – it was like a movie where you really got a sense that they really liked each other was Call Me By My Name. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was sobbing at the end. Yeah. Like, I believe, and I just couldn't, I had to talk to someone who had seen it. Like, I was I was trying to get Seals to watch it. She's like, uh, I'm watching how much you're crying. I'm not watching this film. <laughs> oh, right? Kelly, you actually, you actually bumped into me just after I'd seen it. Remember when I was sitting outside a wine bar in Carlton crying and you walked past? <laughs> I was there with, like, Liv Hewson and a few others. Oh, yeah. And you'd just come from a date and you yeah. were on top of the world. You'd just been macking on and <laughs> I'd just been crying. <laughs> Dude, I just but I think but I really believe that sounds exactly right. That is so I really funny. believe that they cared about each other. Like I But it, then you also believe oh. that like um that it's like this sort of beautiful uh love affair that can't go anywhere and sort of can't live in the real world. But there were small bits where they would like he put his hand on something and the other one put his hand on something and their their to- like their f- little fingers kind of gently touched and their thighs rubbed together and I got goosebumps because yeah. I'm like I know that feeling of inflect, inf- infatuation right. where you're just like I want to cu- kiss and cuddle you so much it was beautiful well, th- for me so, it was uh, Portrait of a Woman on Fire was the last movie that I what's saw what's that? have you never seen it? oh let me google <clears throat> the one about old art lesbians yeah <laughs> <laughs> sure old art lesbians <laughs> Yeah, portrait of a lady on fire. <laughs> if you want to, what is this? If you oh, want to reduce it to like we're at the pub with a couple of guys watching the footy. <laughs> I see a lot of accents on ease. I'm gonna say that's gonna be a lot of nudity. <laughs> 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 
Oh, mate, uh, all women, the, all That is the French. funniest dilution yeah. of a movie I've heard in a long time. That's great. But <laughs> not, not incorrect. <laughs> I call them like I see them. Mate. I guess the difference between a movie like um, Call Me By Your Name and like your classic rom-com mm. is that Call Me By Your Name is a movie like about romance and about love. But mm. um, in a rom-com, there's, it always has to have the premise that these two people are then going to be together forever, yeah. right. which is why the suspension of disbelief is yeah. so much greater. And I have such a tr- like I have such trouble with these movies where the whole premise of like their sexual chemistry is that they fucking hate each other because yeah. it's so hard to suspend disbelief and not imagine like that two weeks after this film like in the universe this film occurs in the two weeks after the final beautiful moment of them cuddling on the couch that he just dumps her and gets together with amanda pete oh yeah the lady from the office who won't stop sexually harassing him <laughs> uh okay so this is portrait of a lady on fire this is a very very like one sentence of a film france 1770 Marianne, a painter, is commissioned to do the wedding portrait of Eloise, a young woman who has been who has left the convent. All right, already France, seventeen hundreds, and a convent. I mean, Eloise is a reluctant bride to be, and Marianne must paint her without her knowing. She observes her day by day to paint secretly. Oh my God, I'm so gonna jerk off to this film. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> well, so, I, but it was good. But I, you loved? No, I. I'm really into the idea of you having a flick over an art film. Like, that is... Uh, That's great. Yeah. She's a classy lady. No, nah, I'm going to watch it. But I'm, am I going to cry? I'll cry. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. I'll watch it. It's All great. Right, don't tell me anything. I'll watch it. But I'll, 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 I'll watch it. Anyway, um, one, of the, one of the things that I... What, my disbelief was so crazy in this film was because there's something about um, people thinking that children is romantic. Uh. Like... Like it's the whole idea of like she's got a boy, he's got a son and our kids romantically bring us together, which I think is, uh, I mean, you know, Hamo, you're in the same dating pool that I'm in and Rose, you know, you're only a step behind me, but kids are now in our proximity Mm. and kids have only brought me pain. You know, Mm. if I've dated anyone with kids, it's not been good. Well, to be fair, the the kid in this is the devil. That little boy is a fucking jerk. Absolutely. I, yeah. you know, even back when I first saw the film, that boy, like, like it's Michelle Pfeiffer. And I would still probably think, ah, oh, this is just not going to work <laughs> out. And I love you. She's gorgeous. And she's great. Like, she's such she's a good gorgeous. actor and she's so natural and believable. And that kid, like, even his fucking mm. haircut. Jesus yeah. Christ. His haircut <laughs> made me angry. I'm furious. I'm so. Goddamn furious at that kid because he fucked up that mama's day more than she needed to because she had oh. stuff to do. He, he ruined fucked up so much he more ruined, than George Clooney. Right. Oh my god! Like that little boy was so. And then the fact that they bought, they had to put him in daycare because they missed the bus and whatever. And then the daycare was like a daycare for like you know bad kids and strays. And they're like, we don't like it here. We get bullied. I might. The, 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 when I, I was writing that. notes on this film, the biggest thing that kept on coming up for me is that my mum would say, shut up and do it, yeah. right? My mum, like, there is so much like, oh, baby, I'll come pick you up. I know they're mean. My mum would be like, so? Shut up. I've got to go to work. Yeah. Like, there is no... <laughs> you have to go to a weird after-school care, like, in the back of an yeah. old shearing shed. My like, grandmother... Was, that, that looked great, what they were at. Dude, my <laughs> nunna used to take care of us, my mum's mum, and she 
didn't know how to discipline us because she spoke Italian, she couldn't speak English. So it's four kids, right? And we're all two years apart. So when she was babysitting us, it was like a four, six, eight and ten year old. She used to chase us around the house with like wooden spoons or like the hard end of a knife. To one point we locked her outside. That was our babysitter. Like it was four against one yeah. Italian immigrant. That's wow. <laughs> like we and we'll come home, we're like, Mom, she did this today, she did that. Mum's like, Oh well. She's like, I gotta go to work. I gotta pay the bills. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? I'm like, it was just so, nightmare. Someone needs to throw a blanket over me because I'm in shock because you used the term yeah. the hard end of a knife. <laughs> yeah, so she would. Like, that like, is terrifying. This, so she would hold the blade. Yeah, so she would hold the blunt end of the blade like that, and she would hit us <laughs> with the hard end of the knife. And then sometimes really? she would like cut Jesus, her hand because she'd hit us so old hard. Old country discipline, right. mate. She's. Yeah, she's an immigrant from the old, like a very poor area. But if she's holding the knife, like, like, don't you yeah. picture like blood dripping down her hands as she's waving the <laughs> blunt end of the knife over her I head? I think, because uh, it was always like a bread knife, so it was never, right. or not a bread knife, but like a, a long serrated bread knife kind of thing right. that was never that kind of sharp for her yeah. to hold it. But it had, it just had a really good handle. To do damage with? Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you... a lot of spoons. Cause also because oh, yeah. the spoons got broken. Yeah. Because she'd get the spoons and yeah. they would break and stuff. <laughs> like it was just, it was yeah. It was pretty funny. Like looking back now, we were like, fuck mum. Well, but mum was like, I had not, I couldn't do anything else. Well, like I had to. You know, I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like what that boy needed was to be bullied. Oh, mate. Oh, yeah. Agree. <laughs> he His was, self-esteem was too high. And the fact that he was like... and But then a few times Michelle Pfeiffer got mad at him where she's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Mm. And then and then the kid had the gall, the fucking gall to say to his mother, mommy, you work too much. Oh, yeah, because yeah. your dad's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I've got to support you, take you to the emergency room every two seconds because you're putting fucking shit up your nose. Shit up your nose. Oh, like he gets her, her blouse ruined. He oh, puts the bag everywhere grabs... and she trips over. Mate. Like, but yeah, that, that's he what, was probably, yeah. That's what I mean. I know they, they, sorry. Yeah. Oh, they say that ADHD is like over medicated, but that I would medicate the hell out yeah. of that kid. And the little girl kept on going missing. Like you, this is, and also this is New York City, which also tick this ticks a lot of boxes. This film because it's always like New York City, one day in a rush. Like yeah. rom coms love doing that. Like you know, your sleepless in Seattle's, your fucking serendipity, like all that sort of stuff. But this little girl, like this is like '96. New York was a scary place then. The '90s was not kind. Like maybe the bits of Upper East Side or West Side were good, but this little girl was like just wandering would just wander off and he's like yeah she has a tendency to wander mate that's not a safe city for kids like it only started cleaning up when Giuliani came in yeah and started getting rid of all the homeless people but you know what I mean like my mum would be fucking furious his parents are too nice on them they're too nice Um, but but that's where I think it's like a like there's the potential to have a really interesting exploration of what it is like to be a single mum and mm-hmm. have a shithead kid like that ruining your mm. day and trying to keep everything junk and trying to I I quite like that she snaps a couple of times you know and mm. uh, but he doesn't listen well and no then even no but that's the, but, the, but the, po- mm. the, the point I'm kind of making more is mm. I like that she snaps do you know what I mean like mm, there's proper yeah, yeah. anger but then you know when he's making faces it in the window and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, mate, just mm. fucking go away. Let her do her job. Yeah. It's meant to be cute. It's, it's not, not cute. <laughs> kid wasn't cute. And there was something about like, hey, we're hanging out with our kids together. We're falling more in love because our kids are now getting along. Yeah. 
And I'm like, nah, don't, nah, that would never. I did my first, the first thing I wrote down, which was at the beginning where she's showing she's a working mum and she's like, she's eating or she's working. And she's like, it looks like she's eating donuts out of a bag. And I'm like, that, no, absolutely not. Michelle Pfeiffer does not eat yes. donuts. <laughs> first lie. Yeah. Or you're furious <laughs> if she does and she looks like that. No. Abs- mm. and, and that's one of my biggest shtickler with rom-coms is they paint women as these um, uh, desirable men, desirable to yeah. men in the food department. And it go through so many modern day rom-coms and the woman drinks beer and eats wings and can mm. like, you know, play with the best of them. And she's like super skinny and blah, blah. I'm like, absolutely not. There is no, like the only way that she's attracted to a man is that she wants to do man things. But she looks yeah. sexy. I'm like that. The two things don't um, come hand in hand. Right. At, yeah, at I think like it's often that like the writer, the casting area, and the well, the like, writers wardrobe department yeah. aren't on the same no. page. Like the writers picturing someone yeah. who looks normal, young, and then five foot the seven, casting sexy. director mm. pictures someone who's 17, and then the wardrobe department like just goes for like I know full women. Glam. I know I know women like Michelle Pfeiffer. Who are like that where they're you know like maybe like a single mom blah 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 and they're that thin and they're gorgeous mm. but they like work out like a motherfucker like i know one person in particular who works out and i watch what she eats and it is only green salad ever yeah. ever does not eat anything else and she's trim she looks great mate she looks so good but she don't eat <laughs> <laughs> um also why i hated this kid is because at the beginning he's like mommy i'm thirsty what would my mum say to that you know where the tap (laughs) is kelly she would even let me get water she'd be like go back to bed like my mum's the best she's lovely but she would be like go back like too bad thirsty too bad should have had a water before you went to bed like the 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 niceties of these parents is just well this is crazy to me but this is also your applying real world politics to yeah. a genre that mm. doesn't have time for real world politics yeah. and and yeah. and, that, mm. and I think that's possibly where the failing mm. of the film is in in some ways in that I think they do touch on some stuff that is actually really interesting mm. and I, I think you were saying Rose you know it just gets right up to the edge yeah and then we'll mm. just go back down the romantic comedy Mm. We almost sort of explore that she's being like that she's not treated equally at yeah. work, but then we don't quite yeah. delve into yeah. it. Yeah, that was really disastrous. Like that she had to hide the fact that she had a son from her boss because he hates yeah. children, and, and that her boss is quite happy to like fire her because she won't go to drinks outside of work. Yeah, <laughs> right. But that, and that's where you know, oh. like imagine once again. I know I keep harping on about this, but imagine a, a three season show yeah. about this where you are seeing that and delving into all of mm. that kind of stuff yeah. i think there'd be something really really fascinating in it because even though it's like illegal to discriminate against someone who's a mother uh and we're just using the single mother for this exercise um those issues do still happen 100%. in the workplace because yeah. i know i've talked to w- about it with friends of mine where you know absolutely go on maternity leave come back blah 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 and there's certain promotions that they miss Mm. out on because they went on maternity leave or they are uh you know four days a week and they have to be Mm. five to get this promotion 
or, or just can't pump out work after work anymore. Yeah, well, I know I know a few women who went down to like one of my mates. She went down to four days a week because she's got a three year old and she's she's married and using childcare and stuff. And she's like, look, you know, when she came back to work, she's like, I've got to be four days a week because you know of the kid, blah blah blah. And they were like, absolutely, but they didn't change her workload, so Oof. she has to shove <laughs> five days into four, and so now and get she's, paid less get paid less so she's not meeting any targets that she's supposed to do she feels like she's failing at her job because she's like i can't get it done she's like the only way to get done is that i am on my emails at 11 Mm p.m and on saturdays she was doing a workshop for these people on a saturday and it just never it was it's just never ending so she is doing more days and getting less money and i'm like this isn't right but this is what is 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 happening because even though we're like cool with mums and stuff, we're still, hmm. you know, and, and also I think if you try and if, if there's a group of you that don't have kids working with people that do, there's a resentment both ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The amount of times I've been bumped to like last or second last on a list because people are like, I've got to go home my kids. And yeah. I'm like, fuck this shit, man. Why do I got to stay to 11 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah, it's your kids, yeah. not mine. Like, yeah, and also you're like, you're like a stronger, you're a stronger comic. You're a headliner. You can't go earlier. This is bullshit. Yeah. Oh, and the amount of times in the office that you watch people get away with like leaving before the end of the shift, and but if you do yeah. that because you want to, then yeah, <laughs> you're a drop. Kick. Oh yeah, um, my uh, oh. my friend works with uh, with a guy who is. You, you've always got to. Uh, mistrust the man who dubs himself a feminist and mm-hmm. oh mate 100% and he's always going home early and he's always not bringing like getting the work out on time because he's being you know a good dad and he spends a lot of time about talking about being a good dad and he's always nah, late etc mm. and my friend is mid 30s and doesn't have children and she's constantly covering his ass and she'll go to the bosses mm-hmm. and say you know he's not getting this work in on time and the bosses are, who are men are like yeah but you know like he's been a good dad and she's like no he's not like you just yeah. know you know he's going home early yeah. putting his feet up and saying hey babe can i have a beer i've had a really hard day at work you know he's he's that <laughs> asshole but he's present yeah, but he's present yeah. <laughs> i think it's full of shit yeah i whenever yeah 100 percent and I've got so like I know so many people in those kind of relationships where the woman is just fucking carrying. Oh yeah. You know, and there's the oh my dad. And also, when did it happen that guys who just do dad stuff and now on this pedestal of being oh, heroes? Yeah. yeah. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. Don't yeah. give me your fucking like you're this fucking, yeah. Yeah. I did the dishes. Actually, I did the, the dishes. Yeah. You, you <laughs> do the dishes. Mate. Off. That was something I really didn't like in this movie was uh, towards the end there's like a bit where Clooney's trying to like break down Michelle Pfeiffer and, ma- and force her to say I can't do everything alone right. which you know I think is supposed mm-hmm. to be like a moment where he sort of like gets her to let her guard down or whatever but it just sounded like he was like hounding her to admit that she wanted to be in a relationship with him but you, he can't, was... you can't tell someone you just met that you're going to like pick up half oh. of their domestic duties he, for Yeah, he's <laughs> nagging her. Yeah. 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 Oh, he negged her a lot. Yeah. He's like, you, yeah, she can say, I can't do everything alone, but it doesn't stop the fact that she still has to do she, everything yeah, alone. Yeah, she has to. She's a single mum and all the men yeah. around her are fucking useless or arseholes. And he's treating it like a personality flaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a moment where they're 
um, talking, George Clooney's talking to his boss at the newspaper and he's like, um, oh, about this woman. And he's like, yeah, she won't shut her mouth up. <laughs> and I'm like, oof. Yeah. That is fucking. Also, can we talk about romantic comedies have a good sensibility of um, giving people jobs that have dated very badly. Yeah. Like he's like a journalist that everyone knows and is like really famous. And she, like, you know, designs models, like, for hotels and stuff and, like, has to build the models. I'm like, both those jobs don't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like the journalist that's like, yeah, I'm going to get the heart. No, man. Well, no, you know, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah. But that's that, – they, they existed a, back that's then. That's age. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, even, like, um, I remember what was the one we were watching, um, My Best Friend's Wedding? Like um, uh, Julie Roberts' character was a food cr- critic. Yeah. Like well, now she's so today. She, now she's a she's blogger. A yeah, she's a blogger. Yeah. Like, yeah. But or she does the real estate section as well. Yeah. <laughs> and like my um, my big fat Greek wedding, like she was a bloody um, travel agent. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Like they, I just love that all these jobs are now but, but obsolete. A lot of bookshops. No. There's a lot of bookshops. A lot of bookshops. Yeah. Notting yeah. Hill yeah. bookshop. But nothing yeah. nothing ages well. Like nothing. Like nah. everything. Like if you if. You, you, like I was trying to, when I was rewatching, I was trying to rewatch it in context rather than mm. looking at it now. That's like, like I was uh, uh, getting back into doing gigs. I just hadn't been around or been watching any stand up, so I watched some old stand up, mm. and mm. Uh, you know, I watched some Eddie Izzard and some stuff that I had mm. not watched in like fifteen, sixteen mm. years, mm. and. Like, technically, it was really great. Like, it was really so good to see, like, beautiful uh, y- use of language and stage and all that kind of stuff. But it, like, it wasn't funny because things have progressed <laughs> and we, we laugh about different things now. And, mm. yeah. uh, and it's got a gentleness that doesn't really do it for yeah. you. It doesn't really do it, yeah. And so there's, mm-hmm. I think, I, I try not to be dismissive of stuff that doesn't fit into where we are now because... It wasn't made for now. It was made mm. for then, if that makes sense. Yeah, but then, but then when Harry met Sally, aged well, right? You know, like there's something mm. about that dialogue but, that, you know, the only thing that didn't age well was answering machines. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but they, but it did, it did age quite well. Yeah, but I, I feel like, yeah, the more schmaltzy and schmoozy, like but those would you, ones. Would, mm. So, like, I love when Harry met Sally. So I'm. Mm. Not going to shit on that film at all. But no, no, no. I'm going to play it. devil's advocate with it. Are you mm. are you saying that that first time that they catch up in current mm. context is any mm. reason she would spend any more time with him again? Because he's pretty awful on that car trip. He is. Yeah. He is. But I don't know. Maybe that's like it's like that thing you know the from Seinfeld can't stand you when someone starts to get into your psyche. Like yeah. you ever you ever get into a relationship with someone that you work with? And then when you start working with them, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like a year later, you're like, yeah, maybe I'm going to fuck this guy or something. <laughs> like even though he's not even like part of my like so, like guy I normally go yeah. for. Just because you're like stuck together, I guess. Yeah, which yeah. Is, well, I guess that's... which is what they try to do with this film. They're stuck together. They're stuck but together. You know, yeah. You know, because what did she say at the beginning when she goes, uh, um, I wouldn't, she said something like, I wouldn't get with you if you're the last person. Oh, I wouldn't need your help if you're the last person on earth. And I'm like, that is always just. So we've got New York City, a day, <laughs> running around, last person on earth, quote, what else do we need? Like, it's almost like, I feel like I should start a bingo. 
like a rom-com bingo and go, is it it Christmas? She's uptight. She's uptight. Is it Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Have a shot of tequila with with you. Mm -hmm. You would have been hammered before the kid shoved anything up his nose in this film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I um, I, uh, just going through my uh, notes. I would like to address Amanda Peet's character at some point. I don't even know why that is a thing. Why she just loves him and he doesn't, but she's gorgeous. And she's like gorgeous and sexually aggressive and has no personality outside Mm. of that. However, did you see her in that? Sorry, go. In what? Did you see her in that Betty film? Um, Oh, no, she's great. Amanda Peet. She's a great actor. She's excellent. She's one of those ones where you go, you, you, you didn't have that one role that pushed mm. you up a level because mm. you've always right, she, been excellent in everything. But mm. she's always played the sexually aggressive chick or the, or yep. the annoyed annoyed girlfriend. Like, Barb, really? Are you going to do that now? Like, she's And she makes like she makes the most of a very thin role yeah. in this, but like it does read like a character that was like written by a man who'd only read about women. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. which is the problem Didn't. with a lot of them. But she's great in that. <laughs> read a Vanity Fair remember. article and based the yeah. whole character on it. Yeah, yeah, it was the, read about women in like a book written by a, a horny man. Yeah, yeah, it was like um the Dirty John, but it was the one 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 about Betty. Yeah, something. But she was fantastic in that. Like I couldn't kind of you know pick her where she was kind of fucking up. Um, there was a moment where um Michelle Pfeiffer says, "I don't need friends," and I'm like, mm, "Perfect." Yeah, <laughs> would have been good if the whole movie ended there. <laughs> Um, how are gigs in Sydney, by the way? How is it with all the stuff happening? Uh, like, so is it restricted? So the, the new Giant Dwarf opened up. Uh, ah. So they... they uh, did you ever perform at Giant Dwarf? <laughs> no? So it was, a, it was a massive venue. Like, it was a mm. great room to perform. Long, wide, high ceilings mm. and uh, a really high stage. You know what it's mm. like when the stage is a bit too high. Mm. There's always just that little disconnect. And mm. where they, that place got, uh, like the rent was way too much and they've moved. And where they've moved is, it used to be an old jazz club. So ah. it's it's a smaller oh, nice. uh, number that can be in there, but low ceilings, the people are closer and they're running mm. it really well. So when you perform there, nice. they have... Everyone has their own mic and there's mm. everyone gets checked with their temperature when they're coming in. There's mm. restricted seating, you know. So I think things are relatively, relatively careful. Like going to the cinema here has been great because they've never been cleaner. <laughs> like they've oh. never been cleaner and no <laughs> one is allowed to sit next to you, in front of you <gasps> or behind you. And it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, like, how good is going oh. to the movies? <laughs> this that is, is great. <laughs> We're That's all here dream. and we've all got oh, space. Dude, I can't wait. You can put your jacket next to you. It's great. Could you imagine someone comes <laughs> next to you and you go, fuck, mate, no way, it's illegal. Get the fuck it's out of the here. Law. It's the law, mate. It's the law. It's just something, I mean, I, I know this is so wrong, but I just, I, I can't sit with my, my feet down. I get too fidgety. I need to put my feet up on the chair in front of me. I have to. Well, you can. Because I just, I, don't sit in front of me, dickhead. Someone tried to sit next to me on the bus a, a couple of months ago and I was very happy to be able to just be like, no, oh. no, no, go, you, there's other seats, you, you may not. Do you not, not have, um, so uh, I don't know about buses here, but trains, mm. uh, there's actually spots that tell you where you can sit. Do, yeah. do you have that? I mean, I think they haven't, I think they haven't bothered with that yet because there's just never anyone on the, yeah. on the bus. Yeah, right. yeah. But, um, you know, there's always that one fucking weirdo <laughs> who, like, and it's usually an old, old woman and yeah. they just, there's all these other seats and they just come and 
perch next no, to you. No. Yeah. But it's very nice to just be able to be like, um, we don't do that now. No, that was pre-COVID. My, my eyes have gotten really good at staring at people through my mask. Oh, yeah. Like, just fucking looking at it. Like, if you're, like, the best is when you're waiting to, like, in the line at Woolworths or something and someone's just standing too close behind you and I'm just, like, mm-hmm. staring at them until they just step back. I'm yeah. like, that's right, bitch. Um, the mask under the nose. Oh, yeah. That's I a- fucking, yeah. I fucking can't stand that these people mm. and they're it's always dudes as well like like if i see someone without a mask i'm like okay i'm go- i don't want to be that asshole i'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that there's a reason for it um but it's but if someone's got a mask on and it's under it's like well i know you can wear one yeah, yeah. you just refuse to do it properly it's always, it's always men it's always dudes there's always these roadworks happening in my house and they're always like not wearing a mask or have it under here have it on the nose and i'm just i fucking hate it because you just know they're not washing their hands after they touch their dick when they go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And they're just spreading germs everywhere. Like, well, who who's a super spreader in, a, in, in the last two big super spreaders? Truck drivers. Right. Male we, truck drivers. It's so funny <laughs> to suddenly realise which one of my male friends have never washed their hands properly. And you do kind of... You, Oh, yeah. How long do you have to spend in the bathroom? Uh, the yeah. same amount of time you always were meant to spend in the bathroom washing your hands? <laughs> hey, what do you don't get me wrong. That's a worry. Women are disgusting. <laughs> don't get me wrong. If you've ever had to do a wee in a women's toilet in an office building, Rose, <sighs> like, I don't know what it is, government, state, private, doesn't matter, but there's always yeah. someone and no one knows who it is, some stupid bitch going to the toilet, doesn't flush after herself, and it doesn't matter if I've it's a, a one, good two, or three. Now. It turns out that uh, local government is way worse, I can say, with um, with authority. I remember. Things were, when I was working at Moreland City Council, I will name you, mm. There were people were doing the weirdest things in the toilet there. Someone yeah. had to put a... Someone, put, someone like smeared shit on a wall at some yeah. point. Yeah. I've, I've heard... Some disgruntled city planner. I've heard of like women in the cubicle next to me like undoing tampons, you know, oh, like the, yeah, yeah, hearing yeah. the plastic mm. and then undoing tampons, obviously putting it in her vagina and then leaving without washing her hands. One would hope. Like I can oh. just, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and I just, and I'm like, who the fuck is it? Who the fuck is doing it? But I remember a Jack Druce joke um, where I oh, heard Jack. it and I was like, yeah, right? <laughs> and I'm like, man, that is so on point. I'm just keeping an eye out for the, oh yeah. I've just got to look for where the puppy the is because she just loves <laughs> to piss and shit. When we finish, I'll bring mm. her on and let you see her. Oh yeah, Seal, Seal says eyes on her. Um, <laughs> she, um... Oh, uh, yeah, she pisses it because she's overdue for a poo, like hours overdue for a poo. And are we talking about Celia? Raining. Or t- oh, yeah, yeah no, right. no, the puppy, <laughs> not Celia. Uh, <laughs> that was Hamo. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, so we're just – and it's been raining and she doesn't want to go the outside to the toilet when it's been raining. So Little both crazy. of us have taken turns being outside with her for 20 minutes and she's like ah, just crying doesn't want to go to the toilet anyway jack juice joke so he goes he got a job temping in some office like probably like telstra call center something like that and his boss goes oh so they're the toilets and then the boss goes so just give you fyi don't like if you're gonna go use the toilet make sure you go in the toilet like don't do it on the floor or anything and jack was like why did you just tell me not to shit on the floor? Like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Who has uh, induction for a new job where the boss says, please don't shit on the floor of the toilet? He goes, turns out he really did have to tell me something that would happen a lot there. People would shit on the floor. 
Fuck. Like, so I have a friend. Who, I have a friend who works in an office and found a, a poo in a Tupperware container yeah. on top of a bin of hand towels. Yeah, <laughs> mate. It's just. Well, there's I mean, it's been there's a, something kind of polite about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's at least in the Tupperware, kept, uh, right? Kept it, kept it clean. <laughs> but like, but I just remember, and I just said to Jack afterwards, I'm like, you're right. He had to tell you. And he goes, yeah, he had, because he did it as a joke. I'm obviously butchering it. But he's like, the guy had to tell him that because so many people just either go to the toilet and miss it or just fucking, or maybe people are finding their way in there from outside and just shitting on the toilet because they hate them so much. Yeah, people just shitting themselves. It is a disappointing moment in your life when you go into an office toilet and you just go, Jesus, like what is is wrong with you? Like why are you even embarrassed that when you leave someone might come in afterwards and realise that you have left what looks like you've stuck a gun in a poo baby's mouth and pulled the trigger Mate. like what the fuck i actually um i sprung one of the toilet weirdos at my work once and it was like it actually really checked out when i figured out who it oh, was really someone had been unraveling most of one of those industrial sized toilet mm. rolls like, and i could hear them in there sometimes like pulling it it was this furious banging rattling sound and then they would like stuff big like armfuls of it behind the toilet like behind the pipe but like it was Why? so weird and it'd be all over the floor and just draped no idea and you caught him couldn't figure it out well so one day i just sort of waited and pretended to wash my hands for like 15 Did you minutes say something waited to him? for them to come out no because it was this uh it was this woman who was i was like okay no this makes sense it's someone who just always seemed like on the verge of a pretty major oh, yeah. nervous yeah. breakdown um, she just she was a very highly strung, strange lady. She just had a lot of deaths in her family, right. like weirdly close together. Right. And one time I remember she was eating hot chips in the office and uh, she got stuck in this kind of frenzy and she she just couldn't stop oh. eating hot chips and she started crying oh. while she was eating them because she was in pain because oh, she was no. like had chips stuck. Okay. But she She's, was making unbroken eye contact with me while she like put chips in her mouth and like cried oh. a bit and she wouldn't look away and I couldn't. So when I found out that she was the toilet paper lady, oh, I was like, no. you know what, you, nice. you, you, you keep no. doing that thing nah, with the toilet nice. paper. If it gets you through the day. It's no, you know, you know what that makes me think of for Stuka is that mm-hmm. makes me think of Celia's routine about when she was young and she'd use toilet paper she'd go, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> yeah. She still yeah, does it, it now. Still does it now. <laughs> it, it was that but with like a, a sadness. This, in is, yeah, this, this sounds much, I, I tell I'm you what, the, <laughs> the, the, the unbroken eye contact while crying and eating chips is it, it haunts oh, me yeah. to this day. Shit, oh, right? I will never That's forget horrific. where I was standing. I tell you what, um, as a, we're just going to wrap up. The one of the things that she I she had have... to go home after that. She just she ate so many chips. Oh, she had to go home. Like, like I always do my hot chip crying eating alone. Government. Do you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't put anyone else through it. Man, no, these I are the kind of fun characters you end up with in local. Yeah, government. I can't even tell you. I'm temping, and I can't even tell you. I'm so happy to work from home because I don't have to share a toilet with a savage because yep. I like I you know if I'm at home and I get my period it's just it's not it's fine yeah mm-hmm. I don't have to stress out that you know it's just dirty dirty to- and what happens is there's only two cubicles on the floor I worked on so if someone was waiting they would like stand right outside and oh. wait like I would you know how there's like two rooms there's like the hand wash yeah. room and there's a toilet room I would go in the hand wash room yeah. and wait That's I'm not gonna stand in front and smell your underwear like right. you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just and signs everywhere about don't flush your pads down the toilet. But there'd always be a pad flushed down the toilet, <laughs> and I need to go to the toilet. Someone's fucking or someone has a like because I, I, with women it's number ones, number twos, or number threes. Right. The amount of time <laughs> I saw a number three, 
Number three, and I don't fucking flush a number three. I'm oh, like, dude, oh this boy. is Jesus. like I made a complaint to like business services because I'm like, this is yeah. crazy. And the majority of women on my floor have all gone through menopause, so right. I just don't know how it's happening. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so speaking of shit, no. On that note, <laughs> we better wrap up. But um, I'm glad you made me watch a George Clooney movie because I do uh, appreciate him. Yeah. Because he acts so natural. He's so natural. Mm. I, I actually the think way he's like. I think they're really good together as well. I'd love to see them do mm. something now. I'd like to see them, you know, mm. doing. I miss her. Yeah, yeah. Five she doesn't great. do anything anymore. She, well, I she, miss, she started yeah. doing stuff because I think what she did was she just went and raised her kids, her babies, you know. Yeah. And um, mm. but she's kind of out there now, and she's always been a remarkable actor. She, pro- mm. I think, she's a producer on this film, and oh, and then yeah. I think she makes. Uh, after this, I think she makes Frankie and Johnny with uh, Al Pacino. Oh, with Pacino. And, uh, yeah. you know, Pfeiffer's, I, I think she's a little bit underrated as a as an actor. Uh, she's made a lot of good stuff over the years. So I'd, I'd, it'd be interesting she, to see what mm. they could do now. You feel like they could do something, mm. like, you know you know what there is? There's that, there's that movie that's going to win her the Oscar because she's been around <laughs> for a long time. She's got a lot of respect. Dude, Scarface, back. she's great in Scarface. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, you know. that haircut, that blonde bob. Yeah. That's to die for. Um, just, I'm just looking. Because so, she's done a bunch of like Age of Innocence, oh. Wolf. Have you like, ever seen Age of Innocence? That's like Scorsese's uh, Merchant Ivory movie. What's that? What does that mean? You've never Merchant seen a Merchant Ivory, Ivory movie? Like, uh-huh. So they made like Howard's End and they made kind of... Oh, anyway, you know what? We're right at the end of the podcast, and this is not time to <laughs> unpack what a merchant I'm ivory go- I'm movie gonna is. I'm going to Google it. But it's it's, a, it's it'll surprise you. It's the Scorsese film, but it's uh, it's based on an Edith. Have you seen it, Rose? Be- oh, no. It's based on the Edith Wharton novel, and it's a uh, it's set in New York, and it's it's all about the cutlery. It's all about you know how you're perceived by oh, yeah, society, right. and it's Daniel Day Lewis, and it's Winona Ryder, and Daniel Day-Lewis's yeah. character is uh, betrothed to Winona's character, who's a very spoiled, rich girl. And then he meets Michelle Pfeiffer, whose character is... Um, she's at the end of a scandal, and she's everyone talks about her, and it's, and it's all this beautiful uh, lace and, and, and story about Moors, and she is phenomenal. In it. Oh, and you can Michelle Pfeiffer. She got nominated for an the, Oscar for So it. you know how you were talking about the hands in Call Me By My Name? There is mm-hmm. a scene where Daniel Day, they're in a carriage and he undoes her glove and he kisses her on the oh. wrist. And I reckon you oh. will. I'll hear you oh boy. when you I'll see it <laughs> in Sydney. I said, oh, Stuka's watching it. <laughs> I mean, she's also prime age for one of those uh, kind of like white linen pants, Divorcee at the Hamptons sort of yeah. films. Yeah, Tuscan like, Sun yeah. film. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, there's so much Season three of Big Little Lies, right? Like, yeah, oh, she was... yeah. Or you're kind of Nancy Myers sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. She's in that face. The though. white linen pants. God, I've got so she's much. always white linen pants. I'm going to watch your portrait of a lady <laughs> film first. Um, oh, we're going to yeah. wrap up. Rose, what have you got? Where can people find you? Oh, um, my bedroom, my living room. Um, Melbourne. Yeah. Nah, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Encourage me. Uh, Rose Y. Bish. <laughs> I loved, for big people can't see this, but what I loved was you describing where everyone can find you, which is parts of your house, and over your shoulder is a skeleton. It's a skeleton. And it's <laughs> yeah. 
Why is he get a massive Look, like? We're all just coping as best we can here. <laughs> Why is there a skeleton in your house? Oh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows who that is? Who knows? Yeah, I've got a skeleton there. There's a jar of dirt in shot. I'm yeah. not doing well. I've got well. a fist behind me doing like a power fist behind me, <laughs> and um, oh man! But I will. Uh, yeah, uh, Hamo, what what have, what what have you got? Where can people find you? Uh, so, when is this coming out? Um, in two weeks. In two weeks. Uh, so uh, they can sorry. find me at the uh, the Big Squid podcast where I talk to people about the different types uh, types of mm. arts and entertainment that they're into. So mm-hmm. any episode can be like you could hear a movie review, uh, uh, a look back at Brian Ferry's first solo album, and oh. uh, look at a at a comic. Do you know what I mean? It's like whatever yeah. anyone's into, we just kind of celebrate art and entertainment. Oh, nice! That's great. So that's probably the best Love place it. to find me. Yeah. And I'll get me on and I'll talk about something good. <laughs> yeah, something that you're into. I'll talk about, I will talk about something that I fucking love so, that I can really dissect for you. So before we go, do you want, Do you mm. know that I've met George Clooney? Yes, you did because you paid a, for a ticket to yeah. go to some luncheon. So Rose, you'll yeah. appreciate this. I, I'll tell the story very quickly for yeah, you. Yeah, so yeah, I once did a corporate gig in mm. Brisbane for grassroots rugby league owners. And uh, guess what? It didn't go well, turns out. Didn't have much in common. <laughs> and and stuff that had worked forever just was not working. And at one point I said to this audience that was 97% men, 3% women. So you know what those men are? They're, they're, they got their arms crossed like, mm-hmm. mate, you don't mm-hmm. say something that fucking offends the ladies here. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Where nothing's being yeah. said that offends the ladies. They're just like that. Anyway, the gig was so bad. This is this is not an exaggeration. I heard a poster on the wall behind me peel off and float to the ground. And oh, that's very cinematic. Oh, mm. like I like I heard one of the fundamental forces of nature. I heard mm. gravity, <laughs> right? So I got paid for this gig and then I saw th- uh, that George Clooney was coming out and he used to fund uh, a satellite that was over this warlord's uh, place in Africa and he used to commit all these crimes and Clooney helped finance this satellite so he'd go to the UN and say no he's lying and here's, here's the proof here's the proof from what we've taken photos of mm. and this warlord said you know how would George Clooney feel if every time you walked outside you had people taking photos of you? And George said, yeah, you know what, I think I might have a bit of an idea about that. Uh, so he was he came here and he did this big talk and the money was going towards help to finance this satellite. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to turn this awful gig and that money mm. into an opportunity to go and have lunch and meet George Clooney because you got to help him out and have satellite. your photo taken with him and all that kind of stuff. So, so I went, had lunch and then got to have my photo opportunity with him and I said hi George I'm Justin and he said oh hi Justin nice to meet you and I said hey I've got to tell you uh, I've been a fan of yours since you were in Roseanne and he said oh don't bring up Roseanne I had a hell of a mullet back then and I say I know but that mullet inspired me to follow you all these years and I gotta say you haven't let me down and without missing a beat he looked at me and said what about Batman and I said ah! and I said well Batman put oh. you in a position where you could meet Steven Soderbergh and make the brilliant out of sight and he laughed and he said oh, 
we should hang out more often. And oh. I know he was just being nice, but if you had said to me, what are the words that you want to hear from George Clooney? They are, we should hang out. And I had to... And oh, we stand and a self-aware My mark. mouth went dry because I had to fight the urge to say, well, I'll just go over here and let's call Brad and Matt and let's fucking party, George. Do you want my number? Want my number? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. Yeah. What about Batman? He was great. He's like, cool, didn't, man. He, he did not miss a beat and he just had that little twinkle in his eyes and say... Come on, man. It was a pretty bad film. Anyway. No, oh, I love that. So that's, Mate, that's a good interaction. Pay for itself. Absolutely. For itself. Take that, rugby Mate. league grassroots owners. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, man. I've, I have heard that story before, but it never disappoints even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hearing it again, I still feel everything it, it gives. it's supposed to give you. Yeah. Fuck, that's so good. I've done the same with Jane Fonda. Oh, I paid yeah. to go for a lunch with Jane and then... She was, and me and my friend who was going to drama school with, we were like, we're actors. And she looked at him and went, well, you're cute enough to be one. And I'm Great. like, chop liver. <laughs> <laughs>